Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog podcast. It's Tuesday night. I'm here with Panos, my co-host, and our guest tonight, Farmer Dave from the Rough Track organization. Thanks for coming, Dave. G'day. If it sounds a bit noisy, it's because I've got a big mob of kids that uh, have been doing absolutely terrific and they're playing pool. So if you're bouncing balls in the background and you can hear that, well, that's what that is. That's all right. We love this. This is the first guest we've had who was in a pub while they did the podcast with us. So that's definitely a first. True Aussie. <laughs> the best. There we go. Yeah, there's lots of old people over there playing uh, poker. And um, you know when you're desensitizing a dog to a certain situation? That's uh-huh. what we're here at a pub, you know, we're allowing young people to have fun, have dinner, play pool, and they're all around alcohol, they're all around gambling. They're choosing to stay focused on what they're doing and ignore all of those big diversions out, those uh, distractions out there, and they're focusing on themselves, you know, not even a dog training, training kids. I, I love that. For the listeners that probably don't understand and have no context, tell us a little bit about the, the kids that you're referring to and what is your connection to them? Yeah, so Rough Track is part of the, the, the Backtrack Network, the Tracker Network which started about 16 years ago by a bloke called Bernie Shakechaft, and he was Australian of the Year local hero last year, and uh, he was honoured for the simple idea that uh, kids who are doing it real tough, kids that uh, are facing long-term jail existence have come from the wrong side of the tracks, have come from difficult circumstances, may not have mum and dad around, mum and dad might be in prison, mum and dad may be dead, mum and dad may be drug addicts, mum and dad may not just be coping with the young person that, that they have. For all of those reasons, he decided to give kids purpose, give kids direction, give kids uh, guidance in a really generous way with boundaries, uh, generosity with boundaries, and uh, and it worked. Uh, youth crime in Armadale uh, reduced by 30% and then up to 80%, and that doesn't happen normally. Like Youth crime doesn't, those numbers don't plummet in double digits like they did. And, uh, look, I met Bernie when I was doing a, uh, an MC job down at the Melbourne Royal, and I do a lot of, a lot of MC work over the last 20 years, and... Uh, I saw that this program was phenomenal, that these kids, you know, I know these kids. I've grown up with these kids. I've seen them in the towns. I've been doing youth work for for over 22 years. I know who these kids are. But the fact that he was able to have them 2,000 kilometres from home and they were all focused on their dog and they were doing this dog high jump, but no one was watching. The audience wasn't watching. The audience wasn't engaged. But the one thing that I have is this, you know, bullshit gift of the gab, and uh, which is not a gift, it's something that I've worked hard on training. Um, he asked, you know, could I MC your show? And, uh, and then we had massive audiences and it really was a genesis, I think, of really getting people to focus on the fact that these kids are not broken, these kids are not ruined. Um, doesn't matter what colour they are, they're all in there together with their dog. And uh, 
And, yeah, I've been bumping around the tracker organisation since then. And then I got invited to start one here in Western Sydney because I don't know if there's anyone listening who's from Western Sydney, but we also have a youth crime issue. And uh, like most towns in Australia, let's face it, this is reality. If kids don't have the, the parenting or they don't have the situations or they don't have all the support, and even if they do, they can still go off the rails, no different to dogs in good homes or dogs in poor homes. And um, so I got invited by the, the cops and the local community to come down here and kick off a tracker organisation in Western Sydney to um, to give these kids purpose, direction and uh, another chance. Because the one thing that we do know is that you were guaranteed if you were a kid going into incarceration in Australia in 2023, you were guaranteed to end up in prison as an adult. And I don't think that's right. I don't no. think we should do that to children. I think we should give them purpose. I think we should, we should give them direction. I think we should give them opportunities to be on the world's biggest stages, and that's what I do every single day. And if you don't know about Rough Track, Google it. <laughs> what we do is phenomenal. What we do is absolutely phenomenal, and it's all about whatever it takes, how long it takes, we'll do it to make sure that every single kid that enters our program um, leaves absolutely transformed with purpose and with a sense of well-being and self-worth that goes beyond someone like me who had every opportunity in the world, went to the best private schools in Australia and had the uh, incredible wealth of coming from the bush and having that freedom of opportunity that I didn't do anything to deserve. I just got given it because of the circumstance I was born in. I believe that these kids should have those opportunities and that's what I do for them. Long-winded explanation for a very complex organisation that does whatever it takes, however long it takes for every single kid that comes through us. And it's been about four years that Rough Track's been operating, is that correct? Yeah, four years here in Sydney and we've taken kids from up to four hours away. And when I say four hours away, it means four hours of travel time to our program or a day program. So four hours travel to... And then, of course, the seven hours at the program and then four hours travel away. They're huge days, but the value that we bring to each kid that comes is absolutely immense. And they all choose to come to our program. I attend court with every child that comes into our program. They've obviously got court issues that are in the background before they come to us. And uh, I attend every single court session with them. And I make sure that the, the judge is very aware. If it's Curry Court, of course, it's much easier. But um, I ensure that every judge is aware that um, what the program has done for that young person, uh, things that we do, but also that if they mandate that the young person comes to us, um, that that's not an option. I don't allow a judge to force kids to come to this program because the moment a kid is forced, no different to a dog, they're going to react in a way that no one's going to like and it's not going to do the, the kid any favours. So, um it's a choice program. Every kid chooses to come. There's a young lad in my peripheral vision who um, lost his shit today. He lost his shit. There was a lot of blood. There was a lot of smashing of things. And now his mum came to pick him up. That young man hugged his mum, told her that he loves her, which is something that she hasn't heard for a long time. And then he chose to stay um, at the program during our camp. Perfect. But that's that's the success of this program. It, yeah. uh, it takes kids that are probably going in a very bad direction, um, and that is early grave and uh, incarceration, and it gives them a third way, a third opportunity, and that is to skill themselves up for a secure future. So walk us through how the how the program works, right? So like a kid, uh, what ends up, for whatever reason, they end up in court, and then it's like a 
like a diversion, is it? Is that how it works or like rather yeah. than? Yeah, you, you guys know. are doctrinas. Redirection. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we draw and reward. We don't push and punish. So I've never punished a child in my program. I never will punish a child in my program because Australia, we're experts. We've been bringing kids from Britain as young as seven, eight, nine years of age, away from their family, away from everyone, 11 months on a boat in chains, and we've been incarcerating them in this country since uh, the British arrived and the British Empire arrived on Australia's doors. We are experts at punishing people, but it doesn't work. Yeah. Never did, never will. Britain didn't solve its problem of getting rid of crime by putting people in chains. Um, didn't work. But Australia still has this idea that we should uh, incarcerate children. So kids, kids will come to us from the, the court system. Um, kids will come to us from police. Kids will come to us from all of our catchment schools right throughout the entire Sydney Basin. Uh, kids will come to us via exasperated parents that just cannot do any more. Um, kids have been out of school for three, four years. Um, we're the last stop shop for kids before things get real serious for them. And I'm, and I'm not joking about this. It's mm. for early death. That's, mm. where, that's the world that I'm living in right now. From first hand, I I saw you guys demonstrating down at the Easter show, doing the um the temptation alley and doing the wall climb and and doing all that stuff and watching how the kids were so engaged. They were they all had their own personality. You can tell that they weren't standing in a line and in a salute. They all had their own persona and their own expression and and, and the way that you guys banter and communicate with each other it, it was really cool to see because you know um. It's, you know, you want to get on their level to understand them, but then also you do want to guide them and and give them some of that purpose. And and I see how, and from firsthand being at Rough Track on, on the pro- property and, and giving a hand has only been, you know, two times. So so I'm still learning um, how the culture kind of works, but it's really fascinating to see that and, and something that I'm most passionate about is how dogs can influence us to be the best versions of ourselves. And, you know, um if every child is allocated a dog and that that dog is their responsibility to, you know, advance them in whatever skill that they're developing, that, that, that in its of itself is, it seems to be the biggest compelling um, force for the children to stay within the, the program. But obviously there is a culture in how staff and how, and, and, and you just said that you, you went out to you say McDonald Valley. Is that correct? Yeah, to, yeah. Um, for regeneration of plants. And so it's not just dogs that, that you guys focus on, but what are the other, other skills and activities, so to speak, that they have to participate in? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the kids come in for the term-by-term basis. So it's a 10-week uh, re-engagement program to get them back into society to allow them to learn that purpose. But, yeah, they start off with the dogs. So their first week they get to meet all the dogs and they get to choose a dog and how that works is nothing short of pure magic. Uh, The same style of kid will always choose the same style of dog. Like I'd be able to line up the six kids and I know exactly which dog they're all going to pick because we're all drawn to a certain type of something, you know. We can, as people who live in society, we can look at someone and go, yeah, he's got a staffy. We can look at someone and go, yeah, she's got a, uh, no, buddy, please, 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 buddy. Um, so we've got uh, 
a pretty easy eye that we can often tell that. Well, you know, with the, the four years of doing this term after term after term, success after success after success, you can see who bonds well. And sometimes kids will bond with the, the, the dog that I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's your dog. But anyway, they choose that dog. And then pretty quickly within, uh, you know, the second visit or the second week, um, they'll be like, oh, I don't know if this dog fits with me. I'm like, oh, funny you should say that. You know, everything's about giving them the power. I mean, yeah. you know, it's that old adage, right? Uh, when in doubt, when all else has failed, do what your dog trainer told you to do in the first place. Um, but I don't do it to these <laughs> kids, right? Like, it's just like it's all their choice. I give them their advice. I don't make their choices for them. I don't um, tell them what to do. It's like, here's some options. Oh, that's a really good option, yeah. And then I reward those options that I want to get them towards. You know? No different to doing um, ABC dog training. Um, yeah. Is rewarding the behaviours you want and ignoring the behaviours you don't. And very quickly you get the dog they want. No different to these kids. So, yes, so start off bonding with a dog, training with a dog, and very quickly um, I'm getting them in a circle with their dog, what we call dog belly, in which is the dog is on its back, exposing its belly, exposing the most vulnerable thing to the world. And I'm also getting the kids exposed the most vulnerable parts of themselves. And I'm going around the circle and I'm asking them all these questions they're not talking about the dog. They're talking about themselves. And very quickly, the embodiment of themselves is in the dog. So as they train the dog, as they climb to the dog, as they go on journeys with the dog, as they go around Australia with the dog, the embodiment of themselves is the dog. So it takes the pressure away from them, away from the confusion that teenagers have. We're all teenagers. We know how crazy our heads get. And, of course, add in all the other things that the young people that I work with, you know, drug abuse, drug addiction from the moment that they were conceived in the womb, oftentimes violence, um, the sexual, horrendous sexual assault that many of the young people I've, I work with have been through, and the, the um, torment that a lot of them have dealt with. All of those things can then be projected through the dog and we can then, you know, train the dog, but they're in charge now. Mm. They're the driver's seat and often teenagers have never had the opportunity to be in the driver's seat. And I give them that power and they're doing it with their dog. So they're fixing themselves through their dog. And, yeah. you know, Kelpies and anyone, you know, panelists, you've got a Kelpie. Anyone who's got a Kelpie knows that they're full-on dogs. The kids I work with are full-on kids, you know. Mm -hmm. often the old adage is, you know, Farmer Davey worked with feral kids and feral dogs. Absolutely, I do. And look at the magic that we get. I mean, the most respectful, most polite young people who have pride in themselves are what I present to the world. Don't start out that way, but it gets there with power of the dogs that they work with, the training that they do, the sports that they do. I mean, I had uh, four kids two weeks ago competing in a national championship style event of sheep herding. My kids were out there in the arena. The pride that I had in each of those just stepping out of the arena against all these, you know, sheep herding experts, all these other people that well and truly got the sports around them, got their jobs, got their two land cruises, and these kids were on the same footing as that. That just fills you with joy because they chose to do that. I didn't say, mm -hmm. hey, got to go to this event, you know, and it's when they do these extra events that are outside of, you know, the work that I'm doing, like sheep herding, um, like the coffee cart, uh, all of these things, that's when I get real joy because it's them choosing to do that and empowering themselves through that. So, yep, and also the only thing that I can do to every listener is Google Rough Track. 
YouTube Rough Track, Facebook Rough Track. Go on Instagram and check out Rough Track because what we do is phenomenal and it can't be explained in, uh, you know, an hour, an hour or 15-hour podcast. You have to jump on the socials and, and just follow the journey of these young people because it will blow your mind what's possible when you take a, a dog and a kid and you give them the opportunities that I took for granted as a young person. Where do the dogs come from, Dave? Where do you get the dogs from? So the initial dogs were all uh, were all rescues because, mm. um, you know, when you're starting out a, a program, why not use the roughest and toughest dogs, the most violent and vicious dogs? Because if I've got those kids and I've got those dogs, they might learn a few things off each other. And they did. Those All of those dogs are still with us now. And Hannah, you've met Jimmy. He's mm-hmm. the kind, most, gen- most gentle, most, I mean, that dog got four yeses on Australia's Got Talent, but that was one of the most violent and vicious dogs that I've had the pleasure of, of working with. And uh, they, were all, um, they were all those rescue-type dogs, you know, rescue, what's a rescue? Did I get him <laughs> the surf? Yeah, but anyway, you know, we know. <laughs> we know. The language. Yeah, yeah, rescue dog, whatever, <laughs> the dog that got given up on. Anyway, um, uh, so that's what we started with. And then, look, there was a a real thing that I saw in other tracker programs where the kids were having kids. Um, And that's that's something that I don't think any young person should deal with. If you're not a solid, balanced, fully functioning, fully formed adult, I don't believe you're prepared to have a children. I don't prepare, think that you're prepared to do that. And I've seen that. I'm one of 11 kids. You know, I've seen my siblings, you know, go through the trials and tribulations of not being a fully formed adult and then bringing a kid into this world. So um, I really wanted to teach the kids that I work with maybe to think about doing other things with their life rather than just having a kid and then going, oh, I don't know how to deal with this, and then that kid being in a similar situation that they found themselves in. So yeah. we started breeding dogs. We started whelping the dogs. Um, they were all stud kelpies. I spent about $25,000 on the genetics for dogs over from Western Australia, um, northern New South Wales and Queensland, and we built our own stud. And uh, and that way all of the kids that I work with realised how hard it is to uh, manage um, hormones and manage uh, the puppy period, the uh, training period, and how difficult it is and how much they can see themselves in those young helpies working through. Mm. So we we did whelp um, uh, three years of uh, of dogs, and we we bred a lot of dogs, and we uh, had some incredible success with national champions and all sorts of different disciplines. But um, I'm middle aged man, I'm buggered, so they're all desex now. No more breeding. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it, it also t- like from the breeding perspective, it kind of gives the kids a bit more of a understanding that dogs, just because you have a male and a female dog and then, you know, they can make babies or they should, oh, my mate's got this dog and wouldn't it be cool if, you know, those two dogs got together and they made, you know, this special dog. It's like, well, there's a lot more to it. It's not just about, you know, mating dogs so that they can make babies. Um, and I think that's a valuable lesson. What would you say the the end goal is? Because if 18 years old, you're not allowed to, like, rough track kind of finishes and that we want to move these individuals into society, what is like the the end goal or what does the, that the individual get at the end of it in terms of certificate, qualification of anything or besides the experience? Yeah, so 
Um, we celebrate all of our wins. That's why we're at the pub tonight. We're celebrating incredible success. We celebrate the smallest of success. You know, every kid gets a birthday cake. A lot of the kids, it's their first birthday cake. Um, every time it's their birthday, they get to choose their birthday cake. I've had 100 nuggets from KFC as a birthday cake once. Um, but why not give these kids the um, the best birthday that Women's Weekly uh, could ever have dreamt up? That's for all people over 40 out there. In joke. I remember that book. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, did you? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's about celebrating those little wins. So they graduate um, if they meet all the standards in our program and they're high standards. Um, if you've seen the high jump and you're seeing us doing the canine super wallers around Australia, I think over 2 million people have been in our audiences across the country. Um, it's all about making every step a little bit difficult. I'm not about removing barriers. Um, I'm about increasing the barriers and I'll be empowering the young person to leap over those barriers. So um, the idea is definitely to get them in a very short period of time to graduation and um, keep asking them for more. And then when they've got they've got to that level and they're solid on that level, then take another step and we're going to do a bit more. It's small steps of success rather than giant leaps of failure. And uh, it's then it's uh, employment or back into solid education. Um, and that's the only two ways to leave rough track. Employment, education. So back into school, back into um, tertiary education or into tertiary education and, uh, and of course, or a, or a full-time job that they're going to do success at. Like I don't ever let a kid leave our program until I know that they're ready and they've got the, the um, whole uh, ability to withstand the rejections of this world. And uh, mm. because the last thing I want is a kid to go out full flat on his face and go, well, I, I can't do it. The only, I could only do it while Dave was holding my hand or all the amazing people at Rough Track were holding my hand. I'm useless. Go back to that poor thinking of the black dog on his shoulder saying that uh, all those things we all hear in our heads, but most of us have enough uh, ability to cloud out that thinking. Um, no. So I don't, I don't let them go out into the world until they're, they're solid. And then I hold their hand to make sure that, yep, you're going to be earning more money than me before you're 18. So it's not about 18. It's sometimes it's about 14 and nine months I get a kid out into the world. Sometimes it's um, about only having a kid in for 10 months and then they're re-engaged back in okay. school. So What's the youngest kid you've ever had through, Dave? How, how old was that youngest? Oh, uh, we go down to 11. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, we do a lot of camps. We take them on journeys. And, you know, something that, that really brought home how important the trips that I take, these connection to country and community trips that I take the kids on, which are full on, um, you know, I'll be exposing them to survivors from Port Arthur Massacre who were there as a teenager and experienced the devastation of an isolated man with mental health issues and machine guns at the same time. Um, I'll expose these kids to that and, and live through these incredible experiences while taking them to sacred sites that, uh, that very few people can get into. And um, so when they do all these incredible experiences, they're great. But then at the end of that period, a kid said to me, he was 14 years old, he said, Dave, I've never done anything like this in my life, but you know what I'm the most proud of? And I'm like, oh, I was climbing that mountain, you fat bastard. <laughs> said, oh, no, that was pretty good. He said, Dave, 
I didn't know it was possible to not do drugs. And I said, what do you mean, buddy? He said, I didn't do pot once in the last two weeks. And I said, yeah, that's a good achievement. You should be proud of that. And he said, no, 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 no. I've had pot every single day since I was nine. Yeah, wow. Let that sink in for a bit. Yeah. You know, he chose his own pride out of that whole journey, climbing the mountains, competing with his dogs, going all the way to Far North Queensland, fossicking for gold, going to sacred sites. But what he identified was the greatest pride in that whole trip was being off drugs, that's alcohol and all the other drugs that we know that occur in certain ghetto parts of Sydney, and he'd been on them since he was nine. Yeah, well. What is a kid? What is a kid going to be able to do with their lives if they're from nine on drugs? But that was his own pride. Yeah. Mm. That's powerful stuff. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, and, and quite, um, quite ironic to see that, oh, yeah, the climbing the mountain, doing the difficult things. And it's like, no, the, the biggest mountain was within and not without. And, and, but to get within, you have to do the out, the external work to, to become empowered exactly like what we do within behavior modification anyway. It's just really cool to see it within the human because you can hear the the, the feedback. Hey, Dave, this is my feedback. We're like, oh, you could observe it, but to hear it, I guess it, it pulls a different string with, with, within. Um, and that's just amazing. And I think I remember we were speaking last week on the phone and I'm like, what is it that makes Rough Track Rough Track? And, and it's like, well, it's the dogs. As I said before, I think it's everything. I think I think a lot of it is you and your personality, the way that you know you express life and and um you know a lot of lot of enthusiasm. Your story that you sent us was like super inspirational, and I want to talk a little bit that that that's going to take some time to to delve into. And I do want to speak a little bit about it um, because your background or well your background is is quite intensive, but you don't just focus on dog training. You're like you're emceeing events. You're you've been on TV. Um, I, I saw you the first time ever when I used to watch Big Brother at my at my family's home when I was young. When it was the first time you were on Big Brother, like you know, fifteen years ago. Um, so I, I've been familiar with your your head for a while um, personally, but you have many different. Um, um, you have so much to bring to the table for, for these kids, and I think that's just so 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 special for them to have. And I guess you said before that. So this is rough track, and then there are other track um that kind of have a different word in the beginning um are, are they all run very similarly or um are they part of a bigger organization and this is like an off branch of it or is it is this standalone yeah we're not like the catholic education system where we all um kiss the rosaries and send our cash to the pope so he's got a new pair of red shoes no it's uh, we're all affiliated we all follow a very system, a very similar belief system, which is all about empowering young people. But we express it in different ways depending on our community. Um, some of our organisations will have a cafe, and so it's doing all the same things, but it's around a cafe. Um, uh-huh, okay. Um, other organisations have um, citrus uh, farms. Um, other organisations uh, do um, a lot more uh, indigenous work. Um, so we're all kind of uh, doing different things. Some are mostly focusing on mechanics, um, but it's about what suits their cohort, their yeah. community, what solves the problems of the community. I'm in Sydney. It's a big city. You know, what, five and a half, six million people. Um, 
So lots of opportunities. So the reason we do so much, everything from bushfire recovery, fencing to metal manufacturing to aluminium manufacturing to carpentry to woodwork to horticulture to agriculture to livestock management, these big performances all over Australia. We've got our own copper cup, we've got our own shop, we do farmers markets, uh, we do presentations, we do speaking events and the young people. So you can see there's a lot going on there because we have a huge um, catchment area. And what we don't have as a problem boredom. There isn't a boredom problem in Sydney because you can easily go down to the servo and you can flog a few things and you can run off. You can go and um, bash up an old person. You can um, flog someone's car. You can smash in someone's windows. There is so much to do outside of the house, let alone in the house with your computer games and doing your drugs. So what I've got to do is whatever it takes, however long it takes, I've got to have so much stuff on offer and give them so much information because they're all, you know, three-second brains, right? They're all playing TikTok, three seconds, three seconds, three seconds. That's who I'm dealing with. I've got to meet them where they are. I'm not turning up um, uh, in a uniform at the door going, you've got to meet me out here. I'm coming into their space, in their brain, where they are, and I'm giving all of that TikTok action and all of that engagement, and they're there going, wow, this is just like TikTok but real life, and I'm like, yeah. Let's breathe in a little bit, bud, and guess what? I'm going to put you on stage in a second. You're going to be the thing that everyone's looking at on TikTok, but you're in a real-life stage with 30,000 people watching you. You guys just um, brought the dog out, um, a blue healer out um, at the last Origin last Uh, week, right? That's really cool. My my kids were holding the – all the rough track kids were holding the banner for the Blues players to run out, and I was meant to just hold the dog and give it to – Nathan Einmarsh, and he was meant to run out in, in front of the, the team with it. But then anyway, he didn't turn up. And um, oh, it was Boyd Cordner, sorry. Boyd Cordner was meant to run it out, and then he didn't turn up. So I'm there with Bruce. Hey, guys. It's Luke. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment out of the podcast to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, obviously, we don't just do this show just to hear our own voices. We love the fact that you guys take the time out of your day to listen to our episodes each and every week. And on that note, if you are enjoying it, we'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to leave us a review or a rating on your favorite podcast listening app. So whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could hit pause on this episode and, and go and leave a review or a rating on the platform that you're listening into, We'd really appreciate it. It helps other people like yourself find the podcast uh, and helps us to reach more listeners and and hopefully grow the show and grow the community around it. So we'd really appreciate it if you could. And thanks for listening. All the players are right there and they are psyched. And if you've never been in front of a state of origin side, it is no different to, I think, the Persians dealing with the Spartans. These men are on fire. They mean business. Like ancient warfare would have been a scary place to be, but these men, they're towering six foot two, six foot three plus blokes, and they're built like brick shit houses, and they are psyched up. So I'm there with this bloody blue healer. I don't know if anyone's ever had a blue healer, you know, that they are. Nut jobs who like to bite everything. Even Bruce was going, looking at them going, holy shit, I'm not going to bloody give them a bloody dirty <laughs> look. But it was a phenomenal experience. And, yeah, we're very, very fortunate to have the, the mascot of New South Wales and, and be involved in a, in a very close way with, um, with the, the players and Freddie and, uh, and all the, 
the amazing opportunities that kids get from that, like having the best seats in the house at the state of origin. Of course. I think that's really special and, and something that they, they- right? You know, I mean, why don't we give the kids doing it the toughest, the best seats in the house? And, and look, I was down in um, Adelaide a few days ago doing a speech and, uh, and you know, there's all these people that look, look, look like me, right? You know, they've got the little vests on and they've got the, the Hugo Boss shirts and they've got the $750 um, RM William boots and they've been to the best private schools and the best colleges um, and, of course, they're going to inherit, you know, $10, $50, $100 million enterprises. Um, the one thing that I chastise them and I will always chastise people about is if you're going to give something to a young person going through it, it's tough. No different to the, the victims of our incredible fires throughout Australia in 2019 or all the floods we've had here in the Hawkesbury. Don't clean the shit out of your house. Don't give people who feel second, who feel like they are nothing but at the bottom of the barrel. Don't give me a shit. Give them the stuff that you wish you could afford. Mm. And same as with these kids, I give them the opportunities that I wish that I had and I wish for, I've got five children, I give these kids the opportunities I really wish for my children because that's what we need to do. We need to elevate them from so far down here to so far up here that they can't fall any further because we've lifted them so far up. So if you ever wanting to help people who are in a lot of trouble, don't give them your old shit. Don't walk around the house and go, oh, if you've, you're still using that. Oh, I know it's a little bit chewed, but they'll appreciate it. Don't be so condescending, you assholes, you fucking pricks. Mm. Be kind and give them stuff that you wish you had. Imagine if you were in that situation being a 16-year-old kid or a 12-year-old kid or 11-year-old kid that's mum's just died of cancer and dad bashes the shit out of you. you got nothing. Don't give them your old castaways and your old shit. Buy the best. And that's what I do with Rough Track. I give them the best seats, the best opportunities, and that's what we got to do with kids. And same as with, you know, a dog that's been through hell, you know, give them the best hmm. because they'll start acting the best, right? Maybe. 100%. I think um, another thing as well, like being so transparent, um, the first time that I went to Rough Track and doing the circle um, thing, like we ask each other questions and it's like, you know. You, you explained everyone what that felt like. Because you've, you've mentioned a few things, right? You've talked about our culture. You've talked about our incredible team. There's a, there's a lot of us um, that, that do everything because it's not just me. I'm just the loud, noisy one that takes up a lot of space um, and then hopefully moves away from the space so you guys can fill it. But tell us what it was like to walk into that circle experience with all the kids. Well, one thing that, that's, that's interesting because in my, like, I'm 33, so I'm not old, but I'm, but I'm not 14, and being around young kids – and I'm like, oh, it's just like hanging out with the boys. Like, what are you talking about? And, you know, um, I came from a privileged um, upbringing as well um, compared to, to like most of the world standards. Um, but I also had chosen to live on a, the darker side of society, you know, the, 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 the culture and the boys that, that, that I um, associated with, um, you know, we, we, we were rat bags as well. So I, I understand it. I don't judge it. Um, so being within that space, it wasn't like culture shock to me. It was just like, Hey, what's going on? You know, nice to meet you. And obviously they had a sense of like, who's this guy? Um, but the, the feel was that everyone was open. Everyone's joking. There was not like, and I, I went, as I said, being at a private school, it's like you sit down, you be quiet, you listen to when the teacher's talking. The, the, it was not that vibe. It was, we're here because we want to be here. And 
yeah, you know, we could be cussing and, and telling and, you know, putting it on each other from what I saw, how they were engaging with each other. But there was a lot of support. There was a lot of, you can see there was a lot of kinship. Like they, it's like just the things that they would refer back to, like, yeah, remember when that happened? And, you know, oh, it seems like you're changing here and, you know, and ha ha ha, you silly idiot. And, you know, other words that I guess aren't appropriate right now. So, um, you know, and I thought that was really cool to see. Number one, number two is that going through that circle was like, how do you feel today out of 10? Why do you feel like that? Um, you just had any, you know, prohibited substances in the last, and if you have, how do you feel a bit because of it? And it was like, you're not gonna get in trouble. It is what it is. Let's just let's just own it, be open to it. So that way there we can hold each other accountable. Um, because if you're lying, you're kind of lying to yourself. So like what what like whatever. Um you know, and taking some of that responsibility and like kind of, it seemed like they, they were helping each other out in their own way. I know what it looks like. It's not like I'm super encouraging of you. You can do this. It's it's in a different banter. And I guess I will say Aussie banter, you know, if if, if, if you call yourself, if you, if you uh, I could say the most obscene thing to you and you know, if it's affection or not affection and, you know, but that's the point. The point is, is that let's meet, for example, another thing that 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 it would remind me of is, well, if I can see a dog that's you know aggressive, um, you know aggressive, defensive, and I want to build him up. Well, first of all, most people say you should like really flatten that dog out so that he can learn not to do it. And I would say, how about how about we we understand that stuff exactly right? How about we get to know each other? Let me build you up because usually the dog that's most aggressive and I'm talking um, on average, is usually the most insecure dog where most people don't no see that. <laughs> say that again. No different to kids, no different to men at a pub. 100%. And, um, and I know that feeling, you know, when I was 17, I, I was um, attacked, jumped, and I was stabbed in the kidney. Um, and that experience had led, led me to being, you know, quite traumatised. Um, I didn't know what post-traumatic stress was. I was 17. It was just three weeks out of, out of HSC. So there was a lot of changes in my world while this happened. And of, and of course, no one preparing you for the real world on top of having such a you know significant event occur. Um, and that's when six months later, I met my first dog and that dog changed my life. And I guess I resonate, hence why I'm open and, and wanting to, to help with Rough Track because I see it. Now, if I didn't have the foundation of my of what my family gave me, then I would very easily be a candidate for rough track. I, I I just know because there's a lot of the people that I associated with are sadly not with us and also incarcerated or get trying to get their shit together now in their 30s. And it's it's tough. So I can see it while it's still fresh. Um, I still feel like I'm 16, but I know I'm not um, with some experience behind me. And I think that's the vibe that I felt. And I feel like once I become more familiar with everybody, it'll become apparent how I could help in my own way. Because I know that dog training is people training. It's how good you can communicate with the human so that you can communicate with your animal because we can't train every single dog and you can't continue to do this to help every single kid because there's a lot of kids that need to be helped. So culture needs a change in a way. And I think if rough track and the idea that it holds can become something that is part of every school system, um, or part of every community, like, you know, even being in the city, um, I think it's something that's, that's worthy and that needs, needs more attention. And also, you know, you can, you can try to point the finger at all the, the darkness in our society, but if you're not sharing, sp spreading light on it and actually like 
you know, most people don't want to be in those circumstances um, unless you become institutionalized. If you go to jail enough, then it's normal to go to jail. Actually, in fact, it's a training ground for, you know, bad behavior. And also like, where all my mates are anyway. So what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you, but how wonderful that you've been able to grow out of that experience yeah. and experience and be able to empathize again with dogs that have been attacked and mm-hmm. then behavior that everyone's like well you should clamp that down don't mm-hmm. why be big when someone else is being big if they're being big be small mm-hmm. so you're just going to be smashing into each other and no one is going to benefit yeah. so if someone's being big wow they're really hurt so when a kid tries to attack me when a kid is losing their shit same as with a dog I'm empathetic. I'm like, wow, you're really hurt and you're trying to get space because you don't know other ways to attain space because you're effectively uh, telling me that you don't have the skills to communicate right now what you want or no one has listened to you in the past. It doesn't matter if it's a dog. It doesn't matter if it's a kid. It's the same thing. Anyone who is well-qualified, well-versed in dog training, they will see how I run rough track no matter where we are. If we're doing a, a mountain climb or if we're doing um, a walk through a shopping centre or if we're out on stage, anyone who is well-versed in um, dog behaviour and training, or dolphin tra- training, there's so many people that come from the zoo world, they go, but you're doing operant conditioning on that kid. What the hell? Like, you're mm-hmm. too right. And, yep. you know. I'll tell the kids straight up when they first come on their first day and this chumps the shit out of them and a lot of them look at me with rage in their eyes, I say, I'm going to tell you one thing right now, kids, I'm going to treat you like a dog. That's how I'm going to treat you. Every single day you come to Rough Track, I'm going to teach you like a dog. And they all go, oh, the hell? They get real quick and then I'll get real small instantly. And that's my first opportunity to let them get big and I'll get real small. And I say, you know, I love dogs. And then Jimmy's right next to me, always right next to me, and I say, you know where that dog sleeps? He used to sleep on my bed, but he's too old now, so he's got his own bed and the fanciest bed that I can afford, and he gets to go with me everywhere. And I put that dog up on a pedestal because I love that dog. I love that dog more than my own life, and that's how I'm going to treat you. And all of a sudden, that big kid that was like, call me a dog, treat me like a dog. Because the world has treated them very differently with the same, using the same language as me, but then there's a different intent behind it that I'm yeah. telling them. And they're like, wow, Dave, you're different. You're big and you're scary, but you're different. And mm. then they get all, all of a sudden again, and then I take over the space yeah. again. <laughs> and look, and I think it, it's fine to establish boundaries and to, and to be firm when, when it's appropriate. I think most people try to be firm because they're insecure. If you, if you know what, the outcome is going to be, then I think, hey, look, like we could, and look, and I've got a four-year-old son, so, you know, boundary pushing is happening. Um, you want to be friendly enough to to encourage them. And like, you know, he didn't want to go to jujitsu today. He actually was like tossing and turning, crying. I picked him up. Hey, man, we're going because we're going. That's just the discipline of life. Um, and he got his, got another stripe today. And he was like, oh, wow. And and the thing, the coach, what coach said to him and how he felt about it is that, there was a learning lesson within that. There's going to be a time where you're going to be upset and you have to do the thing that you have to do, but I know what the outcome will be. Now there's going to be times where I see that you're legit tired and there was a certain thing that happened today. And it's like, we're not going to go to training today. That's fine. Being firm and fair, I think is the most appropriate because that's how you get respect and love. Um, and respect and love don't come at the same time. Like they do come on two different 
kind of <laughs> wavelengths and you need to nurture both, you know, and, um, and I think we can, you can certainly see that with the relationship you got, you have with, with, um, with the kids. I just saw it, especially out on the stage at the Easter show, lots of people around and, um, and you can see it doesn't take much to, to have a little, like that little bit of confidence to take that, to go to the interview or to speak to the person next to you. Oh, excuse me, sir. Like it does, it takes a lot of courage to first do it, but it's, it's a very easy act. And I think that's, that's a, um, from what I've um, gained from the conversation is the main and most important thing is, can we have like competence and confidence within every situation? And then can you generalize it? And it's like, we don't like, I, I tell my clients all the time, I'm trying to get rid of you. I don't, I don't want you to keep seeing me. So once I get rid of you in a good way, go out and do the things that I showed you to do and make it part of your life. And, and that's the main passion of and my main passion of getting into dogs in the first place is, can you be better because you need to show up for your dog? Um, and I don't want to sell that because I don't think anyone will call me, but it will be something that definitely gets wished into the mix without them realizing until they realize, oh my gosh, I have to do the work. And, and if you get the benefits and it's like, yes, yeah, wait, it's on you, right? Not on me. I think that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, I want to, do you get, I want to, sorry, I want to jump in. No, go, can, go. can you give us a, like, um, can you give us a, let's say your best example, Dave, of like, let's say your biggest success story in terms of a, a kid who came through and then what they were able to go on to achieve after that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a hundred to choose from. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, might be I mean, hard to pick one. Yeah. No, no. Uh, every single one of them, I can I could rattle off, but um, but I suppose I'll go with. Uh, we we're talking about Rangers before. Um, uh, a young bloke who uh, came in. Um, his headmaster uh, sat him down, and she drew a box on a piece of paper, and then she said to him, "What it sat there?" And he's like, oh, "Fucking books." And she said, uh, it's a box. And then she put some lines on it. And he said, what's that? And then she said, oh, jail. Said, yeah, two things that I just drew. One's a box and the other one's a box. And I think you can read behind the, between the lines, guys, we're talking about a, a grave and a jail cell. And she mm. said, the only place you'll head out, bud. It's the only place you'll head Things weren't working for him. He, um had a very difficult home life. Um, he'd lost uh, a very important um, elder in his life and he was lost and there was a lot of um, poor guidance around him and he was angry, he was very angry. And uh, so there was a lot of reasons why his headmaster was saying that to him. Um, he was uh, probably my second or third intake and uh and just, just so we know, um, by the time I got to his intake, uh, youth crime in the Hawkesbury had dropped 32% by our third intake, 32%. Um, so we're not talking 5% or 6%, we're talking 32% youth crime had dropped by our, our third intake. And, uh, and look, this um, young kid, we had our ups and we had our downs, like every single kid in our program, the rough track roller coaster we talk about um, and they learn that the ups and the downs, but it's how you pick yourself back up. It's how you recover from those big emotions and how you come back with a newfound sense of ownership and responsibility of your own actions that's breaking the cycles of your ancestors before you that have been put in similar situations and didn't know the strategies or the tool to, to pass on to you to be able to get out of these situations, big emotions, explosions and terrible outcomes or catastrophic outcomes. So, uh 
Uh, he, through a very long journey of taking him right around Australia, of giving back to community, of helping in the flood, helping bushfire, um, affected people um, and really learning the real side beyond the horizon outside of the Hawkesbury region, going beyond the Great Dividing Range, out to stations, um, right across different parts of Australia and being exposed to so many things that broadened that young man's mind. He has attained a, a, um, a Cert three qualification um, in rural operations as a modern jackaroo ship. And, and if you don't know, if you're not one of the uh, the 1% of Australia, a jackaroo ship is how um, the wealthy people of Australia have kept their wealth. Um, so they've got kids who have got a silver spoon in their mouth and they send them out for two years onto a station and uh, they learn all of those skills. And if ever you want to be a wealthy Australian, hot tip, just do a jackaroo ship, send your kids out in the jackaroo ship. That's how wealth is kept by a very small um, elite that run Australia. Prince Harry did one. Um, uh, Prince Charles did one. I mean, you know, the wealth of, of the British Empire have always done this. So that's what the, uh, the Cert Three qualification is. It's a modern jackaroo ship. So I'm giving those kids that are at the bottom the opportunity of the people at the top. And now he has best seats. Time. Best seats in the house, and uh, and he now has a full time job. He um, gets uh, a limo drive to work every day, and gets a limo drive back to work. Um, he has one of Australia's uh, most famous, um, best looking uh, uh, celebrities that that has ever walked the face of this earth um, as his chauffeur. And uh, yeah, yeah, well, you've met Ashton. I'm his driver. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so in all seriousness, he's now back. And, and so why do I mention he's probably the one of the hundred that stick out? Because he's chosen with all of the incredible skills that he got that could have gone anywhere. Like so many of the kids go to these amazing opportunities and amazing jobs, you know, driving excavators, earning $2,000 a week, being concreters, um, travelling the world. Kids go to the United States of America and do incredible things work-wise. Um, the reason he stands out is because that young man now gives back to other kids and he works in the program to support the kids that are very closely behind him and he proves to them every day, no matter how hard this is right now, I'm the evidence. I'm the proof that you will get through this and you can come out the other side. You know, I turn SJs into Aussies and you've met Ashton, um, it's a pretty good example of an yep. Aussie, but he Definitely. turned up like an FA. <laughs> well, I guess I would also, um, from from hearing you say that, in the next four, five, six, ten years, that's going to compound because there's not going to be adults telling children what to do, but then you have you know young adults telling the uh, the youth how to do things, to have responsibility. I think that resonates on a different level um, than just having because not everyone's going to be. The enthusiastic Dave, like yourself, that, that could be that could be tough. I think there's a different element that you bring, but if I think there's that culture and the, and that can kind of compound onto itself, and then it can kind of spread. Do you, when you said before, um, three three kids have come through rough track, and then everything went down by thirty percent in terms of youth crime intake. So we take six to eight normally. Okay, and then by the third one, um, yeah. Crime had gone down by thirty-two percent in the uh, Hawkesbury Command. That's wild. Huh. It's mind-blowing. I mean, I just 
you know, I throw all these statistics out at you. They're, they're mind-blowing statistics. I mean, we get 80% graduation rate with our kids. Uh, we get 100% of our kids not go to prison. Remember, the goal was 20%. We're getting 100%. Dogs work. It's mm. not rocket science, right? You uh, draw and you reward. You don't push and you punish. You reward behaviour you like. You ignore behaviour you don't. You use generosity with boundaries. We can change the world. It really is simple. I mean, we're so caught up when it comes to dogs, when it comes to kids. How can we pump like I get the fuck out of this? You know, it's simple. If you want this, reward it. If you don't want this, ignore it. Why does the kid in the back of the class make the most noise because he desperately needs attention? If you give that kid attention, he's got what he wanted, so he's going to repeat the behaviour. Ignore the little shit and he'll just shut the hell up. <laughs> really hard to do. But then again, aren't we all meant to be adult and aren't we meant to have discipline, self-discipline? We're so busy. So many adults are putting discipline on others. We forget that we're the ones that are meant to be dis- disciplined. We're the ones that are meant to have constraint. When they're big, let's go small. I guess it does also bring bring on so much about, well, why is youth crime such a big thing? Why is it that, you know, our society is, you know, fragmented and broken? And then I, I guess that's a whole rabbit hole that we're not going to get into. And I guess I can kind of bring us down philosophical paths. Um, but to kind of stay grounded, it's that there's so many things to address that it's like, let's just keep it simple. If we can find something that's pragmatic, that that works, and that also that um that connects us back to the land, whether it's animals, whether it's regeneration of a thing, or whether it's building something, like it's something less technological in a way, but it also does bring a lot of purpose. And purpose isn't about having a job and being tired by it, but having a purpose is being fulfilled, like biologically, mentally, and physically. And I think it seems like Rough Track is doing that and well, using dogs. All right. Kids need something in their hands. Mm. I mean, we've got these amazing opposable thumbs and all these digits and this incredible ability to grab stuff. I mean, your little fella, he wants to grab stuff, so you're given stuff for him to grab, right? They want to grab something. Dogs are the same. They've got a mouth. They want mm. to put something in their mouth. So they're going to grab. If we don't put something in their hand, they're going to grab it. And they're going to grab a knife. Mm. and grab a hammer, they're going to grab a spray can, they're going to grab some joints, they're going to grab some pills, they're going to grab something with their hands if you don't put something in their hand. Good point. So I do, I put a leash in their hand and then I put some treats in this hand and then after I've done that to start with and they learned that there's this crazy thing out there called rewarding behaviour, you like and ignoring behaviour you won't, you don't like which is different to what they many of our kids learn, which is violence, 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 violence. You piss me off, violence. You are there, lots and lots of love bombing because often the parents aren't self-regulating, which, you know, they don't really know where they stand. They get very, very confused. Oh, this probably reminds you of many of your dog clients. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. Redirect a behaviour you don't like. What is the good intention in the bad behaviour? What does my dog want to do right now? What does this kid want to do right now? Well, righto, we're going to give you what you want. You want something in your hand right now? Here's a tool. Oh, you don't know how to use it? I'll show you how to use it. Here, you have a try now. 
Yep. And then now we're going to build up and we're going to go up a step and we're going to start pulling an engine apart. Oh, you've got purpose now. Oh, you want to pull the rest of the engine apart? Righto, away you go, buddy. I'm going to step away. You're having fun. Yeah, good. Jeez, you do. Oh, do you, you want a bit of advice on what that is? There's all these opportunities once you redirect, but you've got to remember what does my dog, what does my kid want? Yeah. And I'll give it to them. I'm not going to put a cage in front of them because you cage your kid in care. They're going to explode. You cage your kid in whatever. Um, they're going to explode. Same as with a dog. We're all seeing dogs, as soon as you put a cage around them, they go crazy. Um, I would too. Got to think outside of the box. What is the good intention in the bad behaviour? How can I harness that and give the kid what they want? Society gets what they need, which is a yeah. fully adult that wants to make a contribution to society. That's powerful stuff, man. I love that. Um, besides people sharing this podcast with their friends um, when you're listening to it, how can people um, donate or even give back to towards Rough Track? How can they help out in any way? Yeah, look, we, we are always desperate for money. I mean, in order to have good quality people, um, work with our kids, and I totally believe that people should be paid to do incredible work with incredibly difficult situations. Um, so anyone who donates to us, know that you will be donating to um, funding the most well-resourced organisation to really uh, holistically and flexibly do a wraparound service for kids, everything that they possibly need, from the food that goes in their bellies to the best trainers that can support them and give them the advice that they need. Um, you can just go to our website, roughtrack.com, and it's spelled like a dog, you know, like rough, rough. Because the kids actually came up with a name. They came up with a logo. We had an Arunda man and a Camilla Roy man as our two first uh, youth workers. Um, if you don't know, Arunda Nation is in the centre of Australia where um, a lot of our dot paintings comes from, um, and a Camilla Roy man, which is quite slightly different art, um, comes from uh, what's now um, central New South Wales. Um, so those two guys gave us the artwork um, for our organisation, and, uh, and, of course, the kids came up with the name. So it's Rough Track, R-U-F-F-T-R-A-C-K, and we're just a dot com, or you can find us on all the socials, except for TikTok, because the kids get enough TikTok just from being in the, the vibe of Farmer Day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that technique. Um, anything to add, Luke? Um, thanks for doing what you do, mate. What I wanted to ask you is, what, like, through all of this, what would you say is the the biggest thing you've learned over the last? It's four years now, right? Like, what's what's your biggest takeaway from all of this? If you can, if you can put it down to one thing, yeah, it's great. One thing. Hmm. When in doubt, if you don't know what to do, be kind. Yep. If I don't know what to do in any given situation, I'm just kind. Mm. If I'm dumped in a situation with a kid or with a parent, with a member of the public who can often misrepresent um, themselves or misalign what's happening, um, and they can get big or they can get small or they can get horrid. Um, if I don't know the answer, I'll just be kind. That's what I've learned from travelling every which part of this planet and uh, working with heading towards, well, no. I mean, in the 22 years that I've been doing youth work, several hundred kids, 
um, from Aboriginal organisations uh, at the top of uh, Australia um, and working with tens of thousands of dogs um, and being a dog trainer. This is my 40th year this year. I celebrate 40 years of dog training. You were. Um, it's all the same. Luke, it's all the same. When in doubt, be kind. If you're unsure, don't think anymore, just be kind in every situation. And sometimes kindness is just stepping away from a situation and getting someone who actually knows what they're doing. Mm, yeah, it's tough. Because I think as, as a professional, you always want an answer to something. So I was like, hey, I feel you, I see you, and let's work it. Yeah, I love that. And then, you know, that's working with all of the dogs in the world, working with, you know, cattle on stations here in the United States or even in Siberia with being attacked by wolves or dingoes in the middle of Australia. But it's also with myself. Mm. Still the same, Luke. Um, that one answer, that one thing that I've learned, be kind. You know, pushing myself to an absolute limit and I'm like, I don't know what to do right now. It's like the same answer. It's just just be kind. And what does that look like in that moment? Sometimes it's like, right, oh, Dave, just, just breathe. Give yourself some time to breathe. So there you go. Oh, Dave, thanks for coming on. It's been refreshing to hear some really cool stories, inspiring, doing some um, very useful stuff, and I'm happy to be on board and helping out um, at the moment. And um, Don't yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go back to before you said at the moment. <laughs> Help, happy to be helping, full stop. Listen, bro, Rough Tracks Hotel, California. Once you're in, you're in. <laughs> oh, there you go. I've been indoctrinated. And look, you know, it's not just finances that we always need help with because we do so much for, for young people. Um, we've got over 100 animals that we work with. Um, so there's always, always reasons to ask for people's money. If you're an expert, if you're someone that has something to offer, send us an email and offer it. Just like Panos did, he came up to me. And he said, hey, I've got something to offer. And I instantly know, knew that this is a man that I want to want to work with. Um, so if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, I have something to offer, um, well, absolutely. We don't need youth workers. We need really skilled youth workers. Um, but if you're a really super skilled youth worker, absolutely. But you may have a skill and you're like, you know what, I reckon this little organisation that does big things needs my skill. Please contact us at yep. roughtrack.com and there'll be an email button. I'm sure that someone will answer. Won't be me. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dave. And um, hopefully I'll be seeing you very soon. Really appreciate it, dudes. And I'll see you in the paddock, mate. I'll be there Thursday. Leash in one hand, treats in the other. That's it. <laughs> see you, Dave. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at kizuna canine training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.